stupid? Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, a Lean Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hallam, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and oh! Welcome to a Collector's Choice Volume 2 preview episode. That's right. Collector's Choice, the Looney Tunes Collector's Choice Blu-ray is coming out this week. Uh, we loved the first one. We talked about the first one when it was out. The second one is coming out this week. It's got a lot of really good shorts on it. We've done a lot of promotion for it on our Twitter, on here. We love these uh, Blu-ray DVD, uh, Blu-ray sets. We love that they keep coming out. They have so many in the works. We figured we would dedicate an entire episode to talking about what is on this new one and promoting it so you, all the fans, have more incentive to give Jerry and George more money to make more. We're not desperate, but we want to support people that support us, in a sense. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's so funny because when the listing came out uh, for the, the shorts that are on there, it was a very popular tweet of ours. Like, it hits really well. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's certainly the best we're ever going to do on the Twitter nope. account. No. Uh, as we record this, we just, yeah, for some reason this year has been Mark and Jordan. But, you know, funny enough, man, the, the, the first year where we're like, okay, we both have control of the Twitter. Let's go. And it's also the first year where, like, our shit goes viral. So, hell yeah. What can I say except you're welcome? Uh <laughs> Who says that Twitter's a horrible landmass of unpopular, un, un, unhinged personalities? <laughs> well, us. Yeah, but, no, I'm pretty unhinged. But our community, but the Looney Twitter community are awesome. Yes. We love them. They're great. And remember, Looney Twitter is the reason why Coyote vs. Acme is probably going to be on a streamer somewhere uh, in the next couple of months. So we we perform miracles and, we, and exorcisms. So, yeah, it's great. Um... <laughs> But yeah, Collector's Choice Volume 2. We picked three shorts from the many eclectic several shorts that are on here. And I think we picked three really interesting ones. Because we we didn't go for any, like, pre-existing characters. These are three kind of one-shot-like things. And it's interesting. These are interesting cartoons, and I'm glad we're going to talk about them. And the reason they are one-shot, Jordan... Is that because a lot of the ones that have the name characters in them, we've already covered. Yeah. Um, for example, we've covered Rabbit Rampage. Yeah. We covered that short previously. Um, we covered A Hound for Trouble in our uh, Charlie Dog episode. What's so not a And literally last week, we covered Hair Breath Hurry. Yeah. <laughs> we really shouldn't. In our... And our worst shorts episode. And they can all be winners. Um, but, yeah. These three are shorts that are, you know, kind of the reason why the Cutter's Choice exists, which is, yes, get out some more Bugs and Wiley Daffy cartoons, but also 
provide a showcase for the one-offs for like the early 40s and late 30s era of the Looney Tunes uh, history. So the shorts we are covering today are Ghost Wanted, The Wacky Worm, and Ben and Caddy. The Wacky Worm. <laughs> a little mustard on that. All right. Great. Yeah, now these are some very interesting ones. And we're going to start with one that it... Mm, how do I best... Mm, this is an odd one. <laughs> this is a very odd one. Uh, it's called Ghost Wanted. It came out on August 10th, 1940. There was a really cool, or at least cool to me, uh, on this day, birthday thing. Uh, Bobby Hatfield... One half of the Righteous Brothers was born on this day. Uh, Hatfield, along with Bill Medley, would uh, sing a lot of very famous 60s hits that would gain relevance again in the early 1990s. Uh, Medley himself would have a hit with uh, uh, Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing. Hatfield would not have a solo hit. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, you can't win them all. Ghost Wanted, directed by Chuck Jones, written by Dave Monahan. Weird combination. Very changing of the guard combination. But this is early Chuck mm-hmm. Jones in his let's be cutesy, let's be Disney-like sort of era. And this is a very cutesy cartoon. Something that confused me about this. This is a, a true fact. This animated short was shown on TBS from 87 to 92 as a segment on the Tom and Jerry Halloween special. Wait a minute here. Hold on. Stop the tape. Tom and Jerry. Famously Metro. This is Warner Brothers. Um, maybe thematically, tonally, that could be considered, like, more similar to a Tom and Jerry cartoon. I, I don't know why I'm doing, like, California Val cartoon. Uh, I don't know, man. Mm. Like... But, like, it's it's a Warner Brothers cartoon. It's Chuck Jones. You know, there's a Warner Brothers director that does voice in it. Like, get your story straight, okay, TBS? There's a cartoon covering in this episode that fits better within Tom and Jerry that um, isn't this show. Yeah. In fact, hopping off of your uh, comment, uh, Jordan, this Warner Brothers short, now I picked this short because of this one tidbit, which is just in the Chuck Jones directed cartoon. Um, Robert McKimson is credited as an animator, yeah. so he animated on it. And the prominent voice actor that is in this cartoon is Tex Avery. Yes. That's what makes this one really strange because there is no Mel yeah. Blank. The only vocal talent in this cartoon is Tex Avery. Now, we've we've had cartoons where Texas provide voices before. I mean, very famously in Brazil, we, we've had Tex, you know, do his <laughs> sort of role, you know, um, and he did it a lot, and he does it a lot in this. Um, but because we have a central character that doesn't speak, we don't really need the talents of Mel Blanc or any other freelancer. We just have like, okay, Tex, get in the booth. You do it. Okay, yeah, I guess I'll do it. And that's what we have. And it and it's it's an odd sort of, you know, that that's all we have is just Tex. It's like, so what this short is essentially is three Looney Tune directors coming together to make a Looney Tunes cartoon. And 
Damn it, I wish it was better, because that, yeah. that factoid is too cool. That factoid's way too cool for a cartoon like this. Yeah. Um, it's... All right, so this cartoon itself, it's a very simple cartoon. I don't think we'll have to talk for very long on this one, I hate to say it. But um, it's a very simple cartoon. Yeah. It's, a, it's also just a very simple setup, because we're given a very cute, very early Chuck Jones cute ghost character, not Casper, Slightly different personality than Casper. And the whole thing is he's trying hard to learn how to haunt houses, but is too cute to make it work. And the whole thing is that he's, he's uh, looking in the classifieds in the Saturday evening ghost. I like that pun. And he, he sees a listing. He's like, okay, ghost wanted to haunt this house, inquire within, and it's Dracula Mansion or whatever. And it's just in, and in the beginning of this takes too long. Cause it's like, all right, he has to change out of his regular ghost uh, pajamas and into a more formal ghost pajamas the joke may not have been that funny but i like the animation of well, it. well yes like that was cool i like that i mean let's let's not beat around the bush this is a well animated cartoon because this unit especially the jones unit, especially the kimson was very good at doing the sort of spooky but still kind of cute aesthetic they were going for and one of the strengths i think what this cartoon does best is creating an atmosphere because we have these yes. backdrops at Castle Dracula, essentially, and music, you know, very good Carl Starling spooky music to give us the feel of this mansion. And because we have this entire sequence where, and I know that it sounds like we're rush, rushing through this one, but like name five gags from it, where we have this sort of landlord ghost voiced by Tex A. like, oh, come in, uh, customer. And um, I'm, I'm nowhere near even the ballpark. Where he, the whole thing where he's, he's giving the sort of semi-interview and he's uh, lighting, he's completely invis invisible and he's lighting a cigarette at his desk. And that entire sequence is, it's a fun, spooky little vibe of just like a cigarette lighting itself. And it's a little over long, but like, I like that it just stews on that and it gives us the environment of this. I also like the cigarette smoke rings spelling out boo. That's fun. Yeah. Um, by the way, Jordan, I will say, uh, the, 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 what you should do... It's, here's how you do Tex Avery's voice yeah. in this cartoon is you do a subdued Mr. Krabs, and then I, in editing, will add a fuck ton of reverb. Oh, okay. A fuck yeah. ton. Because they damper Avery's voice in reverb. And I don't know if it's the copy we watched or whatever. Listen, I could understand Avery. No, it's because they wanted to sound like a ghost. It was like, yeah, a kester. Well, I guess we'll have to come in. You know, just... It's overkill. <laughs> Things like that. But ultimately, this confuses its own, own rules, where he asks, not Casper, but not exactly given a name, our, our main character. Um, Carter. We'll call him Carter. Carter, the... Um, Amicable apparition. Sure. Uh, he says, all right, what's your scare look like? And again, the guy just, he can't scare anybody. And so it turns into, you know what? Because he can't scare anybody, I'm going to scare him. Forget that we're on the same side. Forget that I'm trying to hire someone for this position. The whole rest of the cartoon is going to be me scaring him. Why? Because that's a plot line that creates a lot of things we can animate. <laughs> and so that's what a lot of the rest of this is. It's just, all right, now he's against Carter, the... Amicable apparition. And there's just a lot of just bits and slight gags are like, eh, boo, you know, scare. And it's it's very one note, a lot of the rest of these. 
It is. The, the one I did really like is after Carter has been, like, just scared. He's by the door. He's going to open the door. Uh, uh, a piece of paper goes yeah, underneath. Telegram. He looks at it. It's like, ghostly telegram. Boom. Boom. I like, like that. Okay. But they're all just sort of variations of him coming from behind him. And, you know. Eh. It's very one note. Avery Ghost does something. Yeah. Then Avery does the exact same laugh from Bear's Tale. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, what are this could be? Yeah. Oh, finally, that fucking bear died. <laughs> um, He's gone from the, the New Yorker to the Saturday Evening Ghost. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, or whatever, or Reader's Digest, or whatever the hell it was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, again, just... don't blame me for not knowing the specific beats of A Bear's Tale, a cartoon we famously didn't like the first time around. Though, you never know when we'd look at it. You know, Maybe we'll look at it again someday. Um, but yeah, no, the rest of this is just like, and then, you know, and the thing's running around. And, and I do like, like, the, the, it goes to a finale where, like, uh, the, the main ghost completely screws up an explosive thing where he accidentally lights his own explosives. And I really like the sequence where a rush of explosives and explosions chase this kid around the house and down the street. I love the speed of it. I love the colors yeah. of it. It's honestly some of the best work in this yeah. cartoon. Yeah, I, I, I put it down here. You know, it's a it's a little late to do cool shit, but hey, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, a lot of this is cool more than it is funny or effective as a... Warner cartoon. But yeah, no, it's just a lot of just like, okay, that's cool, and oh, that's a really cool thing you're doing here. But like, there's not much to it. And no, it ends with kind of a whimper, I think, because he's just like, all right, fine, he, he returns home, and you know, he's scared again. And all right, dun, 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 dun. you know, sure. Yeah, I don't have much to say about this one at all. It's technically really cool. Uh, it looks great. It's, it's, it, it gets the spooky vibes down pretty well. But story-wise, it just kind of limps along. Character-wise, there's not much going on. It doesn't have much to it at all. It's empty. It feels like it's easier for them to look spooky than to actually be spooky and tell a spooky story. And that hurts this cartoon, in my opinion. I mean, it, I, I like what they were trying to do, but it's just not... It didn't have the substantial writing that would make it a... It fit in with a lot of the Warner catalog and that's probably why it went in the tom and jerry hour that that's what's missing it's, it's very cute yes it's more atmosphere than you would expect in a war division at this time but avery is just doing what he did in a bear still so the voice sound isn't that superb and like there's some good animation ideas but mm. that's about it, like, like again, like I, I wanted this so much to be so good because, like, oh my god, it's like three Looney directors working at the exact same time, but it's like a, it's a, it, it sucks, it, it's yeah. lame, it's lame. That's the best way I can Very put lame. it. It's really good animation, but it's lame. Like this is absolutely, it's a cartoon. I, I, I'll go. I, I said this um last week with. Uh, Captain College. This is a we need a cartoon to put onto a TV screen in this movie. Put Ghost Wanted in there. No one's gonna notice. No, no one's gonna care. No. I'm gonna give this a two out of five. I initially had it a little higher, mm. and then there's just really nothing here for me to, to, to warrant it much higher. Yeah. Yeah, same. 
Yeah, I'm gonna say two out of five as well. Yeah. It's uh, it means well. Yeah, that's that's all you can say. Yeah. All right. Next card chart we're looking at is the Wacky Worm release on June twenty first, nineteen forty one. Guards are having on that day. Uh, Joe Flaherty. Who, who is an actor who's worked on the comedy sketch of SCTV, who um, was also a writer. He was also known for those who watch Freaks and Geeks. He was Harold, Harold Weir in that series. But if you're a fan of Adam Sandler movies, you know him as Donald the Heckler in Happy Gilmore. First of all, as the resident sketch comedy guy here, uh, Joe Flaherty yeah. was one of those backbone guys for SCTV where, like, cause the whole thing about SCTV is that, like, over the course of the run, both the cast and the format changed a lot of times. And there wasn't a lot that was truly consistent. Because, all right, after the first couple, after the first season, Harold Ramis leaves. And then after the first couple of seasons, uh, they lose um, John Candy briefly. Or they lose Catherine O'Hara briefly. Or Eugene Levy briefly. And they bring in Martin Short and Rick Moranis. And they bring in... Uh, Hempill or whatever his name is, and, and so it's it, it's it's ebbs and flows a lot, and it's, it loses people and gains people. I believe Joe Flaherty was in every SCTV episode, and he was one of those backbone guys that could just throw in and he be a straight man. He was there from and, 1976 to 1984. Yeah, I think he did every season, and I think he because his whole thing was that he would be a straight man when Eugene Levy would they would do a newsman. Uh, piece together and Flaherty would be the straight man that would be the straight newsman and Eugene Levy would always get something wrong or, or be the source of the humor and they would work off each other perfectly and Flaherty was just one of those guys that would you just you plug him into a role you, you plug him into something and he would just like he, he was he was one of the glue guys him and Dave Thomas honestly yeah he's one of the reasons why that crew really worked for a while uh Flaherty also he's one of those guys that you you, you can root him to a lot of different pop culture things. I think he was briefly involved in the development of Caddyshack. I think he was definitely talked to in the book by uh, uh, Chris Nishawati about Caddyshack's uh, production. He was also, and this is probably the biggest pop culture thing he's known for, you know the bit at the end of, of Back to the Future Part 2 where uh, Doc Brown's uh, time machine where, where, the, where the DeLorean disappears and then the Western Union man oh, shows up. he's that guy. That's Joe Flaherty. He's the Western Union and guy. And you want to know something funny? Nice. I believe in one of the, I think it was in the second Family Guy Star Wars one. Yeah. Where yeah. they have that Back to the Future Part 2 ending. And they get Joe Flaherty to do the same lines. <laughs> that is how game oh, he man. was. Yeah. And also, since we're here making Looney Connections, uh, Joe Flaherty was in a scene from Inner Space, which Chuck Jones <laughs> did his, a part in, where Martin Short is in a waiting room and sits down next to Joe Flaherty and Andrea Martin, two of the um, most tenured SCTV people he was playing around with back in the 80s. So that's all the info that's dumping nice. I have on Joe Flaherty. Um uh, <laughs> That's a good one. So, um, well, this has got to be a first. Uh, so this show was directed by Frizz Freeling, 
also written by Dave Monahan. Dave Monahan, this is your show. Yes. Oh, man. The main character of the Wacky Worm, the Wacky Worm, is based entirely on a single caricature. Yeah. That is of Jerry Colonna. Yeah, Jerry Colonna. We've had fun. Jerry Colonna is one of those guys like Ned Sparks where the Warner, and Peter Lurie, where the Warner guys really, really liked doing caricatures of him because he was a famous uh, movie and radio and vaudeville guy, I believe, in that era. And also because he's funny looking and easy to animate. He's a guy with bug eyes and a big floofy mustache. And he talked funny and Mel Blanc could do a really good impression. And so he showed up in a lot of ones we covered. And he was also, I believe Jerry Colonna, I I think I must have pointed this out to you when I rewatched it for a film release. Jerry Colonna was also, I believe, the March Hare in Atlas and Wonderland. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yeah, it was him and And Ed Wynn. Ed Wynn. So it was like the two biggest comedy radio personalities at the time playing arguably one of the most popular characters from that movie. Arguably. Which means if you go to Disneyland and you meet the Marge Hare, you're meeting a, a 1940s radio personality. Yeah, sure. Which is funny. Oh, also, so, something I, I looked up when I was looking up Jerry. When I was looking up Jerry, because I'm like, oh, you know, like, oh, okay, he's done this, doing that, and the other thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, also, he has a, um, a great great granddaughter. So I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, I'm looking up. Why not? You know, click on it. I scroll. It's like, you know, love. yeah, it's uh, Sarah Colonna. And said, oh, she was on uh, Shameless, which is a show that I watched. Every episode of. So I'm like, ah, damn, let me look it up. So I type her name, Shameless. And it's a TV show. It's not real. But I did up. And there was a plot line in Shameless. Uh, this is the US version on Showtime. Where one of the lead characters who I think is supposed to be like, like, like 17 or 18, I think. Like he's like, he's practically legal. But given like, all the kids on that show did illegal shit too damn young. But um, in one of the plot lines, this character works at a Long John Silver's-like establishment, and the manager essentially, like, sexually harasses yeah. him. You know, she she wants to ride him. She's very much sexually attracted to this character. And that's... And, the actress is a relation to Jerry Colonna. So that's funny. You know, I, I, sh- I should have noticed this when when she entered the scene. She said, ah, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> ah! You know, twirls invisible mustache. Can I hump you? <laughs> Do you want some of this? Statutory, is it not? Yeah, there's some fun, up-to-date trivia on the legacy of Jerry Colonna. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, the character would appear again in Greetings Bates. Yeah, they tried to make this a thing. And I know the ending of Greetings Bait is really funny, because I think the joke at, the, at that one is just... It is Jerry at the end of it. Like, they do, like, a joke where it's like, oh, look, it's Jerry as, as the fisherman. Isn't that funny? 
And yeah, I I thought that was gonna be this one to be no. honest with you, because that's a really funny ending. But no, it's it, it's this one. It's, well, it's the wacky worm. You know, this one's fine. It's all good. So our lead character of the wacky worm is a bird. Right? It's like a... It's a bird of some bird sort. Bird thing. It's a cross between like a dodo and Daffy. Yeah, pretty pretty much. And we begin with, again, it's, it's good animation, good music. This is a brand new character who already has a, a theme. They already made a theme for this character. Yeah. Every single time this bird is walking or, or hunting either for food or for the worm... Has a specific walking style and a specific theme. And it's like, damn, you know, guys, you were trying. They really wanted to franchise on this point. Well, Jerry Colonna has a theme as well, and it's all night long. I'm a dear dreaming, a dear dreaming of a wonderful you. As we're introduced to the Wacky Worm, and it's literally a small green worm with Jerry's mustache on it. Sure. It's a silly character. And they, they does it is silly. silly. It's very things. silly. He says silly things. He does silly things. It's just like in little things. Not like yeah. overwhelmingly funny. Just him just going, my word, a bird. And then just sort of the, the timing of his running and just the just the, the way he sort of like inches away while running. Like it, the, One of the best things about this cartoon is movement. Of what these characters do when they're running and moving and, and and going all over the place, and it's a good it's it's good to watch them move. I mean, I mean, it's good to watch them do other things as well. But like, yeah, no, just motion is is very good in this. And Mel's also giving his all to the performance, and he d- deserves that. Kind oh of yeah, Alia, yeah. yeah, absolutely, doing a fantastic job. So I uh, I do like this first gag here where he's trying to escape from the bird, and he jumps into an apple. And there's a bunch of apples everywhere, and this bird. Who I'm so happy he said a, a cross between a dodo and Daffy because when this bird speaks, oh, yeah, literally the entire time I'm like, okay, this is a voice I've heard before. I don't quite, I can't, I couldn't pin it down. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is like this is Daffy when he's not sped up or this is some sort of combination of voices Mel does, but like it's some sort of voice where I'm like. You're doing something you've already done. I just can't pin down exactly what. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that voice to come out of that bird when he started speaking. I know where you are. You're in one of these apples. I don't think he completely had the voice down for this character because there's times where he sounds like other things. There's times where he sounds like other characters. He does. It's like it, it's yeah. teetering in between different parts of his voice and i think he's trying to feel it out and you know like like he, he sounds different throughout the cartoon like so and who can blame yeah. him you know he's he's still trying to find the character in, in some way so we get this apples <clears throat> bit oh, yeah. where they're trying to like oh where where are you they just looks away looks over the apples moved looks away Apple moves a little bit and eventually just looks right at the apple as it, um, wow, I think like it, get, it gets thrown, right? It gets thrown and it gets split in half. Something like something. that, yeah. No, it's, it's just a really funny bit with just apples sort of moving away. And just all of them just going all over the oh, place. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the awful, yeah, exactly, yeah. Then we get this toothpaste bit. <laughs> well, 
What am I to make of this repeated motion of the bird shoving the worm into the toothpaste tube like this? Jordan then proceeds to perform a gesture that cannot be seen by audio listeners. I'd say we have a video feed now, so be fucking careful. I had to demonstrate- Every day. Every day, Jordan, my video editing skills get better and better. So watch it. So anyway, the, the, uh, the toothpaste bit. Jordan then proceeds to do even more gestures that cannot be seen by audio listeners. Um, it's a toothbrush, by the way. Yes, exactly. Anyways. <laughs> So my one small complaint about this, it's one of the few complaints I have about the short, is that a lot of the jokes in this are the same joke kind of. in a way, which is worm goes into thing, bird goes to thing, tries to get worm out of thing. And then he runs. In the exact same way, with the exact same music playing. Exactly the same. Monotonous, isn't it? With the worm occasionally doing bits, yeah. essentially. I, I, pretty much what this whole cartoon yeah. is. But um, I, I did like the bit where um, he gets shot into a record yeah, player. Yeah, I like it. Too. And just the crow going, putting his head in. And, and, and talking about your Saint Jordan, Mel's doing a completely different voice in that part for the crow. It's bugs. Now I got you trapped, haven't I? Yeah. Now, what are you gonna do? And then there's one where, and this is one that, like, as soon as he goes in, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do this bit, where he goes into a 110% alcoholic, like, drug, I think, I don't know, but like, oh no, he went to alcohol. And then he comes out, they're playing a uh, slow it down version of a song. No, no, he's, he's drunk. He then walks by, buys some peaches that were put in a can and left by a man. Um, <laughs> Leave the president of the United States out of this. I do like this one exchange between uh, the bird and the, um, and the worm, which is, you know, the bird's like, you're... You're inebriated. Yeah, disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> he does a lot of those. Again, again, the, the strength isn't really in touch. It's just the, the the degree of the character. And then, honestly, the drunk bit was kind of, of not as good to me because it's like, okay, you, you can do so many funnier things with the concept of exactly. drunk exactly. worm Jerry Colonna. Drunk Jerry Colonna would have been enough, but they don't really, again, with this worm... He barely has any lines. Yeah. His whole thing is just, what does Jerry say on the radio? Okay, we'll take that and have Jerry... The source of the humor Why is... Why couldn't they get Jerry to do this? I don't know. The source of the humor is, remember when this guy did that thing? Laugh at it now that he's a worm. It's, it's you know... <laughs> wow, Lois. This reminds me of the time when I was a worm. That makes two Family Guy references. Pretty much, right? Like, that's essentially what this is, in a it's, way. It's like, it's it's recognition humor and not much else. And and I will say, they're trying to make a character out of him. They're trying to let, have him have do ticks and things. But a lot of them, it, 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 it's not a complete match. I think that there are some things that set him apart from other, like, character characters. But, like, there's not a lot of material. And this drunk bit illuminates that.
Yeah, and anyways, we go back to him in an apple. Yep. We're t- what that just perplexed me. It's like, wait, we're going. But what- Hold on to your hats, folks. Here we go again. That happens. And what kills me is that, like, we go to the same chase again, and then we go into another apple bit. So I'm like, did the cartoon just repeat itself? No. Well, at least this leads to a good ending where, like, you know, okay, he's like, okay, the worm's in one of these apples. I guess I'll eat all the apples. And we, we time lapse and he's eating them all. And he's, he's basically like, he's, he's eating way too much. Wait! And right. Wait, Crow! Stop eating the apples! Why? Am I gonna blow up? No, it'll go straight to your thighs. And then you'll blow up. And, like, what kills me is they want to make the wacky worm a character, I presume. Or maybe it's the crow. I don't know. But, like, the worm doesn't have an end line. No. It doesn't end with the worm. It just ends with the crow being like, oh, I'm sick. In cartoon. Like, Not no. even that. It's just, I'm sick, but there is the last apple and a whole bunch more fall. It's like, well, I guess I'm guess I'm not eating a worm today. So I, I like Womp womp. Which, well, wait, which, like, wait, so... It's like a woodpecker, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's Woodward Woodpecker, the father of Woody. I don't fucking know. But, like, wouldn't it make more sense if it was the worm that did? He just, like, shook the tree and then, like, the apple smelled down. It would have made a little more sense. It would have given him a proper conclusion instead of just the worm disappearing from the end of the short. Yeah, like, you know, it doesn't. It shows you don't have much faith in the worm if you're not even having him say the last Bon Mo. Yeah, exactly. What else? What could he have? It's Jerry. He has. T- he probably has tons of end lines you could have used. Jerry. Exactly. Hello. Um, final thoughts here. Uh, rather repetitive in points, and they don't do that much with Jerry as a worm concept. It's pretty much just like the beginning of, of the of the short, and that's about yeah. it. There's some references thrown in, yeah. but nothing too substantial. The jokes come across well enough that I wasn't really bored, and I guess the crow was an interesting enough character, but like again, like he, he seemed like a, a, a mosh posh of a bunch of other like protagonists in this era that it just kind of becomes, well, why I'll, I'll just watch Daffy Duck cartoon yeah, pretty much. Like I don't need this crow character. I like the energy of this one. I like the simplicity of the chase. But there isn't much in the way of the character. It, it, as you said, it also is a bit repetitive. This could have you... And the second one in a row where like, if there was a better writer that was better developing characters and story, we would be in business. But this is rudimentary stuff from Dave Monaghan again. And... Again, I, there, he's done good work, but like this is still. I would have loved somebody like Ted Pierce or Warren Foster or Mark Maltese to put it over the edge a little bit. But you know, here we as it is, it's it's fine. Glad the Choice Volume Two does have both Jerry the Worm shorts in it. So oh, you watch Greetings Bait, which means we could have covered Greetings Bait. I don't know why I didn't choose Greetings Bait, but uh, but that one, Jordan was written by Ted Pierce. Okay, that makes... Much better. I'm giving this short a uh, 2.5 out of 5 animals. I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5 on account of its energy and account on it almost being good, but it, it can't tow itself completely over the line. We owe ourselves one good one. So this one is Finn and Caddy, which uh, I think that's based on an Irish phrase I am not familiar with. 
It came out on October 23rd, 1943. I, I found it halfway decent on this day from a birthday standpoint. Uh, I have Billy Talbot basis for Neil Young's Crazy Horse born on this day. Uh, there's probably some really depressing ones that you found. Yeah, um, I didn't write it down because I didn't like it. Okay, cool. Because, like, yeah, yeah. So we should go with that. Yeah. Crazy Horse, Neil Young. I'm sure his bass playing is good. Yeah, he has to play bass while Neil just runs on. Why you say I can't move my leg? You know, just... This short was very obviously directed by Chuck Jones, written by Michael Maltese. And I say that because the cat in this is the cat from the... Aristocats. Yeah, it's it's very much a Chuck Jones character. There's some camera angles in this where I'm like, oh, that's an Aristocat sort of thing. Okay, okay, because you know, it's not too far removed from that. But um, unlike the Aristocat, this short has no dialogue other than, than narration and consists of visual gags. Yeah. So to be, be clear, this is an early 1940s cartoon that Chuck Jones and Michael Maltese are working on that has no dialogue. And yet, Wile E. Coyote isn't what I would compare this short to. No. It's similar to, well, you know, it's it's a very, what I like about this short is that it sets up the stakes immediately. It's like, okay, yeah. here is the cat-goldfish relationship. The goldfish does not want to get eaten by the cat. The goldfish must always be surrounded by water. The cat, on the other hand, hates water. These are our stakes. Have fun, basically, is what they say. And it just goes from there. It, it, it's That's literally the simplest... Like I think it's, it's Robert, uh, Robert C. Bruce doing the opening narration as well. They're their usual guy. Yeah, probably. And it, it just explains that and explains basically the dimensions of the short. And then, you know, there, there's a very brief proof of concept gag. And then from there, you just get gags you know how many times can this fish outfox this cat or this cat fox outfox this fish or this fox outfish this oh blimey i've gone cross-eyed the first one is it like a traveling salesman gag where the guy or the cat wearing a glove to get away from the the, the water damage knocks on the do door of his little goldfish house as a traveling salesman and then like <laughs> once he opens the door he blocks it with one of his fingers he blocks the door and then just brings it up with like a pair of fake teeth on this thing. I like that. Yeah. I also do like when the cat immediately runs over. He's like, oh no, water. Then immediately runs over to the kitchen, pulls down paper towel, and cleans out his entire stuff because he hates water so much. And a I, great motif. I do, I do like that runner a little bit. It's, it's really good. And the way they play off it later is... Yeah, no, because because they basically it's it's one of the motifs of this cartoon. It's like if something happens, he gets water on him, he runs over, get paper, towels himself off, then comes back. It's like it, it's like a jazz thing. You put that, uh, and then that happens. Yeah, and so like it, it punctuates gags. There was one where it was like he does something to make the the worm the um the fish rise out of the bowl, and then like immediately like just something happens. It, it, it's a really quick gag, but I like this. There's one involving a worm. Which was fine. I I think. Yeah, that's what it was. That's he has a worm, worm yeah, or something worm. like that. Yeah. 
I wrote Worm down. I'm like, wait, no, that was the last short. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, no, is it Jerry again? No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Repetitive, is it not? Um, no, the one that, the one, the first gag in this that I went, oh, this is actually really good, was, um, this, um, sucking out the water gag, where the plan is, okay, I'm gonna put the, this piping so in to, to source the water, to take all the water out of the bowl, that way the fish has no water and I can eat them easily, then he puts the pipes through, runs the water through, it's like, aha, and then he just looks over and the fish has also moved in with the bowl, it's like, oh, okay, fine. So he just takes the pipe and starts start sucking up, sucking on the pipe yeah. to get the fish. And I love the expression work on here because it's it's like it's early Jones expression work where it's still a bit goofy. Like it's allowed to be a little bit off model, and it's <clears throat> and in the sake of a funny image instead of just. You know the later, more detailed, more, more calculated looks of, of the character. So I do like just the expression work on the cat. It's just this over, especially with the eyes. The eyes especially are really uh, well done, and yeah. and just not afraid to go off model for a gag. But yeah, like I, I think like. Like the fish blocks the air passage to him to the point where. The cat just gets blown. He inflates. He inflates. Gets let go. He just flies all around the house. Which I, yes, which I really enjoy. Perfect. Yeah, it's a great guy because it has so many steps to it. Where it's like, okay, this is happening now, and then this means this is what it can do, and then it ends up with him getting wet again and running back to the kitchen. It's just it's it's a multi part. Yeah, you can already see Jones and Maltese perfecting the sort of gag work that they would really make into a habit during the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Like, this is really advanced stuff. It's like, okay, we can do this, and then there's another piece of that gag we can have afterwards, and then do that. Oh, yeah, it's the bully for bugs ending, essentially. It's like, yes, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and it goes into this big thing, which is, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Is it around here where we have the, the payoff to the toweling himself out gag, where where he throws in a thing of flypaper, and the amount of smear frames in the flypaper bit uh, makes it worth it because yeah. it's just like trying to get it off and it's just like all blurred. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, I love there's like one moment where the fish walks around walls in order to get... Um, oh, 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 yeah, this is a nice gag where um, the fish runs back to his bowl and the cat's already there and he's covered the top of it with a plate. So I was like, hey, you can't go in. I guess I'm going to eat you now. And... I know there's one more where the fish, I guess because he's wet, just runs all around the walls. <laughs> just runs on the walls and tries to get in that way. Sure. And that and that doesn't work. And then we got this great shot of just the fish and the cat looking at each other. These big smiles come onto both of them. It's like, well. I love that. That's fantastic. That, that, that's fun. That's some good cartooning. As the cat actually begins to win, <laughs> like, yeah. I like that. I like yeah, that it's, it's somewhat different. balanced. Like you have this segment of the cartoon where the fish is desperately trying to get back to the fishbowl and trying not to sweat too much. Like the, the the shot we have of him up against a desert background, which is actually just a calendar, 
and he's just he's he's literally like he's he's turned i think the a sun like he's lamp. put like a, a like a heater sun yeah, lamp, sun lamp on <laughs> he sees a mirage of a swimming pool that's actually uh just jumping into the cat's mouth it's, yeah. it's really funny yeah the one i loved was he's going to a faucet the faucet's dripping it just runs into to the faucet and the drip it yeah. stops a looks oh, up, oh. and I love the eyebrow work on that cat. Yes, it's like ah, that's so good. It's a person. There's personality within the yes. characters. I love so much, and yeah, this will get her ending, where um, hmm. where where eventually, uh, I think like a chase occurs. As um, yeah, the cat, the the the, the fish gets himself into the shower. <laughs> Runs the water, closes the door, and the cat is like, "All right, I've got you now." Forgetting he's in, completely submerged in water, and <laughs> he locks it. I love that. He locks it. He's like, desperately ah, trying to get it. Lock. Which I. There's a lock to the shower. Sure. Um, yeah. If you ever want to lock yourself in the shower, you know, I mean, there's some fun. Uh, ramifications of that, but um, mm. some awful ones probably yeah, as well. Yeah. But so he's submerged in water, and he's not aware what the hell's going on. He's so focused on the fish, and then eventually he notices. He looks to the to us, the audience, as he says, "Underwater," Water. as the bubbles from his mouth yeah. from the word, which is so good, as. He's freaking out. He's scratching out the door. He's trying everything. And then... He gets used to it. Yeah, he just... He starts floating. He's swimming and playing the... He's like... He's fully... He's embraced water now. As we cut to him... Sleeping in a fishbowl as the narration comes in. Like, as I've stated... The cat is completely alert. Oh, um, the cat loves water. As we cuddle with yeah. the fish, and he's been kicked out of his home. <laughs> he's he's in a glass of water. I love it. With a stuff. He's just in an empty glass. Going, come on. That's what you did. Oh, it's oh man. So um, I really enjoyed this one. You have some amazing gag energy here, a very simple setup, just hitting so many fun places, knowing the, the very simple stakes of the chase. Again, I liked how balanced that this sort of duo was. I liked the number of different complex steps in these gags. This is a very underrated early Maltese and Jones effort that I think more people should be aware of, and thanks to this friggin' awesome Blu-ray set, people will be. Yeah, I mean... I mean, the way I saw it, it it's kind of like if the Aristocats was a little less chaotic. That door's like fucking off the walls yeah. with you being birdie in it. Uh, oh, this is the one. It's just it's a little more simple. It's simpler in story, but the gag work is still at at that high level, which I really appreciate. Love really good gags. An early John Dreadful mindset that fills you with this type of story. This is a great Maltese Jones effort. That again, the funny thing is that. This is actually a better Tom and Chuck Jones, Tom and Jerry cartoon than his Tom and Jerry cartoons. This is a very much a good style of, of the type of chase cartoons they were doing. I'm giving it a four out of five, and I'm already wondering if that's too low. No, 
No, I agree. I'm also giving it a four out of five animals. I, I greatly enjoyed this one. This is definitely yeah. something that I'm glad more people will be able to watch. Thanks to the Legion Collector's Choice Volume 2. Hell yeah. Let's take a look at what you guys have to say about this week's shorts. We have uh, Mario Bendor at Bendor Clips says, The Wacky Worms character design looks kind of weird but I think he's a bit underrated. I also wish he got referenced more. Greetings Bait is better IMO. We thought yeah. he would be putting in Greetings Bait, but Mick got these two confused. Um, Who? I think, yeah, I like... Who? I like this has an unusual design. Sorry, go for it. Who am I? What? You said Mick got these confused. I said Mark. You did? I did. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Check the transcript, Candy. Okay, editor Mark, play that back, and if he messed up, repeat it multiple times. We thought we would be putting in greetings, mate, but Mick got these two confused. But Mick got these two confused. But Mick got. But Mick got. But Mick got. But Mick got. But Mick got these two confused. Yeah, no, I like the, the, yes, unusual design because they were going for pure caricature over, like, making a... Character. No, but I, 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 I agree to an extent that it's an underrated character as I wish... I, again, we have to see the other one, but we, I think under better writing, this could have been a better character and they could have done more with it. But I think the Monaghan writing, I think, holds it back a little it bit. Does. It, it does. It does, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sure that Greetings Bait is a better cartoon, because I think the ending of that cartoon is better. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's very much, I don't know, I, I don't want to call it, oh, it's just reference the short, but at times it does feel like yeah. that. And as, as current Family Guy would, uh, tell you, you need more than just a reference you can't just say the reference. You have to do a little bit more character into it. That's three times. Three, three times. Family Guy references. Three times. Ah, ah, ah. All right. Thank you so much for your comment. Yes, thanks, Mick. I mean, <laughs> uh, before we get to what we're doing next week, we just want to take this opportunity to thank the people that have subscribed to our Patreon. People such as Triscrew, Andrew, James Irish, Sam Adams, the, the guy, not the drink. They have, um, have helped us out by pledging anywhere from a dollar to five dollars on our Patreon. And they get perks like being thanked in the middle of an episode in addition to their commentaries that they get that we record, as well as early access to episodes and handwritten letters from me and also playbacks of live streams. So if you want to become a patron just like those four that I thank them to this episode, you can follow our patron at patreon.com slash TNQAF. So next week, it's an episode we still need to prep for because we have to compile... <laughs> you see, last year's commercials episode went really well. Yeah, we uh, And we're doing another one. Because this episode didn't sound a lot like a commercial already. By the way, as previously stated, um, that's Uncle Notebook's Patreon. Uh, for $1 this month, you can get access to everything on that's Uncle Notebook's Patreon. And stay tuned in two weeks where we'll announce uh, a refurbishment of the Patreon as we go into the new year. But anyways, yeah.
we're going to be looking at some more Looney Tunes commercials. And here's the funny thing, Jordan. We're not going to be asking for comments for that one because it's it's too niche. So here's what here's what we're going to do. We are going to announce because if you notice on socials, we have a big holiday season finale uh, coming up. And uh, we're going to be, and, you know, we want you guys' comments for, for, you know, like we always do. So, we're going to tell you right now the holiday episodes that we'll be looking at in our season finale. So, we're going to give all you at least two weeks to watch them and comment, and we'll read them out. Yeah. It'll be fun. Would you like to tell them what our first holiday um, thing we'll be looking at is? Yeah, we will be looking at the Tiny Toons Adventures Christmas special, the Pinky and the Brain Christmas special, and a Looney Tunes show uh, Christmas episode. Uh, called A Christmas Carol, I believe. Yes. Um, so we are getting an eclectic bunch of Christmas specials, and um, if you have thoughts on any of those three, uh, we'd love to hear them, and we might read them out on the show. So... That's the uh, that's the comment assignment this week, so stay tuned for that. So that's the end of this week's episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Halem1995. You can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you like to keep up with the show, look if we've gone viral again, or give your thoughts for for our next episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We have these to follow on Instagram. Um, at that underscore loony, or you can type in the podcast title where the first result. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Amazon Music. We have a YouTube channel where we post clips from episodes and shorts as well. We also throw some of those on TikTok for some reason. Uh, you can check us out there and see what we've got. Also, as discussed <laughs> several times, you can follow us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash TNQAF. All right, so until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And remember, if you're having some writer's block problems right now, think about the fact that the Warner Brothers crew decided to just make a worm that's Jerry Colonna into a recurring character. And I think you'll figure out you're doing a whole lot better. Good night and so long.